Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNT, Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast. CSNT has a lineup of rotating shows throughout each month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, and I continue to be the host for this fun discussion show on the first and third Tuesdays of each month. Wednesdays features Circle of Nature with none other than Selena Fox. The third Friday of each month features Blue Marble, an eco-educational, eco-activism, and eco-spirituality podcast. We have such a fun and informative lineup of shows, and we here at CSNP hope that you try them all. Tonight on Circle Talk, we'll be chatting with Lisa McSherry about her new book, A Witch's Guide to Crafting Your Practice. It's a self-paced guide to the fundamentals of witchcraft, which includes topics like creating altar, tools of the craft, creating rituals and spells. This book features a progressive series of lessons that are perfect for the beginner, but they're also a great refresher for the experienced magical practitioner. Lisa McSherry is an author, priestess, and world traveler. As a leader of Jagger Moon Coven, she has been teaching the basics of witchcraft since 2000. She's also the author of The Magical Connections, Creating a Healthy and Lasting Spiritual Group, and The Virtual Pagan 2.0. Lisa is a popular presenter at conferences and has been featured on many pagan podcasts and is the founder of the website FacingNorth.net. For, info, for more information, please go to her website, LisaMcSherry.com. That is L-I-S-A-M-C-S-H-E-R-R-Y.com. Welcome, Lisa, to Circle Talk. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here. Oh, well, I'm really excited, and I was very fortunate to get a copy of your book. So I'm very, very excited about having you on. I really enjoyed it. Um, Tell our listeners, when was your – because your book is newly published, is it not? It is. It came out in October of 22. Mm. That is great. (laughs) And it is not your first book. You have been sort of a prolific writer. This is how many books have you written? Uh, uh, technically, I've written five. One is uh, currently making the rounds of the publishers looking for a home. Ooh. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, which I almost don't want to talk about too much because it is looking for a home. Um, well, that's but this okay. Is, we'll just uh, have you back. It's <laughs> exactly right. It's <laughs> exactly right. Uh, but crafting your practice was book number four for me. That's great. What was uh, what was the inspiration for writing this book? Well, honestly, I was I hit my twentieth year of teaching through uh, Jaguar Moon Coven, and mm-hmm. in in the year two thousand. And I kind of looked up and said, you know, there's no way that everyone who I would like to be able to go through our program will go through our program. I mean, it's a year-long cycle. Not everyone has that much time. And, you know, it does cost money, although not that very much. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I wonder how this would look as a book. And so I spent about a year taking a vast pile of knowledge and sort of drilling mm-hmm. it down to what turns out to be five very core practices 
for, you know, getting a spiritual practice together. And it is based on a witchcraft framework, the neo-pagan framework, because mm-hmm. that's my background and training. Right. But it's really applicable for anybody who wants, you know, who's interested in doing something outside of mainstream religion and feels more than a little overwhelmed by the vast amount of information, quote, out there. Uh, much of it contradictory, <laughs> much of right. it, you know, just based on personal gnosis, which has a place, but you, if you don't know that, then you don't really know how ungrounded you are in, your, in, in what you're reading. And so I kind of boiled it down to what is it that you really need to get something done? And um, that's where the book came from. So how did this path begin to you? Did you grow up pagan? Did you, is witchcraft in your family? Have you always did this? Oh, no. I, my family background is primarily Catholic. We've got Polish Catholics uh-huh. on one side and Irish Catholics on the other. Uh, and while I will joke that, you know, Catholics are one step to the left of pagans. Actually, uh, I can't <laughs> Catholic is in my family, too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> um, exactly, because of all the ritual and, and the saints mm-hmm. and, and such like that. You know, it isn't the same thing. Um, my parents, actually, when I was growing up, were actually uh, agnostic or atheist. But I found witchcraft when I was in my teens. Mm-hmm. And for me, very much so, that was, uh, that was life-saving, quite literally, as well as mm-hmm. life-transforming. Because it was coming home. It was, I recognized everything that I was reading and doing as what I wanted to be and do in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt so strongly that uh, witchcraft was giving me the power that I needed to be, to have in my life, in a time in my mm-hmm. life when, you know, as every adolescent feels, completely powerless and out of control Uh you know the world gone crazy sort of a thing Uh so um you know it's a joke sort of but witchcraft saved my life and Uh i have never looked back in the many decades since then (laughs) that's so fun i'm so interested because i also um um discovered this path when i was 14 um at a walgreens store um and i still have it this little paperback book, um, which if you read it now, so that was probably, it was in the 70s. So if you read it, that book would have nothing to do with my spiritual practice now. But the idea of female deity, a goddess, really mm-hmm. turned mm-hmm. something for me. And so it was that little book. What, what, how did you find it as a teenager? Did you meet somebody? Or that's just interesting. <laughs> Uh, it was actually my mother's copy of A Spiral Dance by Starhawk. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. It is. It's so perfect in so many ways. And my mother had the book because it was a feminist book. Right. And, you know, my mother was a feminist, and that was what her local cohort was working on to be more empowered. And mm-hmm. she just, you know, she read it and did the thing and then put it up on the shelf and I was bored one day and was like, what's this little, what's this red book? Huh? <laughs> Whoa. And that was it. 
completely. She never got that copy back. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That is fun. Um, well, again, your book is kind of divided up in two sections, um, foundation and practice, which I really like. And something that I found interesting is I know that you told me um, that you sort of said this is a great book for beginners. I also think it's a great refresher source for people who are experienced magical practitioners. Just to, mm-hmm. you know, the way you've laid it out, and I really, um, I really like that. And you talked about the five core practices. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, for me, you know, the book itself has more than just five chapters. Um, like you right. said, it's split into two sections, the sort of getting started part and then the practice right. part. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, and it's the practice part that I sort of move away from when I talk about the foundation because, right. you know, when you get into the practice side of witchcraft, there's, there's almost a, you know, some people never do magic, right. even though they call themselves witches. Some people right. only do magic and never do, you know, deity, you know, so right. there's, you know, we have a broad group of, of people who would call themselves right. something akin to witch. So for me, the, the first practice is, is really uh, writing it down. You know, the mm-hmm. classic, get out your book of shadows, you know, get out your notebook. It doesn't have to be fancy, but you know what? If you want to do this, you need to start writing down why you want to do this, what you want to mm-hmm. get out of it, what it means to you to be a witch. I mean, this is a, this is a great question to start with. Mm-hmm. Why? Why don't you want to be whatever you were, you know, mm-hmm. what your family of origin religion was or what you've been mm-hmm. for the last 10 years or, you know, mm-hmm. have something to, as a starting point because guaranteed six months after you are going to have different answers and a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know where you started from, you will not recognize the progress that you're making. And it's just... You know, humans, we're, we're really bad at seeing <laughs> things mm-hmm. that are important in some ways, right? Um, but yeah. also, we're really good at making connections that may or may not be there. And if you're not kind of tracking things, you won't know that mm-hmm. certain elements keep coming up in your life, certain themes keep up coming up in your life, you know, <laughs> like... Uh, you know, those are messages, and you know, if you mm-hmm. see a raccoon the same day at the same time, mm-hmm. you might want to pay attention, right? So, um, so those kinds of things, sort of keeping track of it, uh, is always the really most important part. Um, also, and I'm, I, by the way, am a huge fan of uh, keep track in your notebook, actually writing things down by hand, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. putting putting pen to paper. Um, which I know makes some people in your audience go, no, I never do that. And believe me, I totally understand. My keyboard and I are are one for much of my life. But it's Um, a different energy. It's a really different energy when you write it down. It is. It is very much so. And, and And it creates different patterns in your brain Mm-hmm. because we so rarely write things down nowadays that when we do, mm-hmm. one of the things that happens is that your brain says, oh, this is important. I mm-hmm. should pay attention. And that that does many things energetically as well as 
you know, realistically. And, you know, and science mm-hmm. has proven this. You don't have to just take my word. Writing things down mm-hmm. is different. You'll remember things differently if you write them down. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll like, and you'll have a thing. Um, you'll have a thing. So, and the book talks a lot about how you don't have to get hung up on uh, how the book looks and some ideas mm-hmm. for getting past blockages on on you know right. getting paralyzed it's, by it's, it's not as creative. It's your book, <laughs> right? It's your mm-hmm. book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. My books are very. Um, well, I I will now confess um, my handwriting is terrible, mm-hmm. and there are portions of my books of shadows that I have gone back to and said I have no idea what I wrote here. Isn't Just that funny? Because gone. I don't have the best handwriting <laughs> sometimes either. And people are probably going to think my books are in Theban, but that's actually just my handwriting. <laughs> it's just really bad. Yeah. I oh, have that's done funny. That too. I did that with workshops that I will write. I'll take shortcuts because I'm writing so much. And then it's so frustrating because I've started something that's a great point, and I really don't understand what I'm even talking about. So, yeah, like, I actually with that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you do a really good mm-hmm. job throughout the book. Uh, again, there's a, 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 a good beast talking about a book of shadow or a grimoire, what's included. But as you go through the different chapters in your book, um, you give, you say, write this in your journal, note this, mm-hmm. you know, experience it mm-hmm. and write it down. You, you do kind of a, a ribbon weave throughout your book of reminding people to utilize that, 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 that skill set. Exactly, exactly. Because it's it's fundamental. I mean, I've 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 been a witch for forty odd years. I have tubs of these books because I mm-hmm. have written in them. And and I'll confess right now, there were times when I didn't write things down for a while, mm-hmm. and I regret bitterly not having yes. that information yeah. from that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I I do. I really really do. But the, the, to go on, the second core practice really is to then create sacred space. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's creating an altar. And mm-hmm. an altar is just a flat spot that you go to somewhere in your private space every day. Mm-hmm. You just show up. And later there are things you can do there, you know, and how you express your altar, but the the step the practice itself is to go there and start creating that resonance of this mm-hmm. is a special space this space right. is different from all the other space i inhabit in my life and uh and you you begin to set up the resonance again you begin to set up the this is different your brain rec- starts recognizing when i'm here i do different things i am mm-hmm. not in the mundane world you start creating the sacred and uh, and what the sacred is, is different for people. Um, There's a lot of, we could all agree on many, many things, but for what you actually do and place on your altar, you know, Mm -hmm. your, your altar, I'm sure Deborah is completely different from my altar. Right. Um, Right. You know, and, and I just spent, uh, I've moved to a new country in uh, 22 and I spent mm-hmm. basically a year without an altar mm-hmm. at all because of how my lifestyle. Oh, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Yes, it was fascinating. Uh, it's actually kind of part of the, the new book project because of what I learned oh. with it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just had, 
my portable altar. I mean, I had my little mm-hmm. travel things. I had um, makeshift things that I would just sort of do on the run with whatever mm-hmm. was available. And mm-hmm. I was real open to what the different energies were. And it was quite fascinating what did and didn't work. Uh, it all worked, actually, in the end. It all worked. Mm-hmm. But the degree to which it worked varied, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, but having the sacred, and, having that yeah. place. Yeah, and I know many people, I know I have a um, a really close friend who um, lives by herself, and she basically has a, I call it a magic room, it's stunning, and she has this huge altar that she leaves out all the time, and not all of us mm. have houses that can accommodate that. So I kind of <laughs> learned, and you can tell me what you think about this, you can have something as simple as a shelf and you can have items on there that you don't have to have a huge pentacle. You have to, you can have items of nature, things on there that become your altar, a candle that nobody would even, it would be incognito. People wouldn't even know about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most yeah. of my life, my altar would not look like an altar to anybody right. outside of knowing me because right. Because that's how I am. That's that's part of my way right. in the world. And and also you can also have your entire altar in a box, that, a right. shoebox, for example, that you only right. take out when you are right. in your sacred space right? and then put all back and put it away. I mean, when I right. lived with other people, that frequently was where, what I ended up doing because, you know, none of us wanted our religious practices to intrude on anyone right. else. On so right. Yeah, it's polite, you know, necessarily. And, you know, and then you also keep it safe. Oh, and then there's when you have cats. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just don't want things for the cats to knock off. <laughs> Absolutely. And cats are drawn to flame. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, yes, they are. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. they are. Um, and then the practices actually move more into starting to define uh, how you are in terms of energy work and sort of the step beyond before that, if you will, is creating a meditative practice, mm-hmm. getting, you know, going to the sacred space and then spending time there, you know, being quiet. Mm-hmm. And which is often the place where people go, Oh, no, never mind. I, you know, I have no time for that. I, I, my brain never shuts off. That'll never work. And um, what I'm here to say is that after 20 plus years of listening to my students tell me that at the beginning of the month that we spend on meditation, um, yes, your brain will quiet. Yes, it does work. Uh, Yes, there are tried and true practices and techniques that will get you to that quiet. Uh, But you do have to show up and you do have to try and you have to give it your best effort and it will work. I promise. And there are different types of meditation. So something oh, that yes. works for you may not work for me, but it's, an, it's yep. altering a state of consciousness. And you just have to do. And it's funny. I um, um, and I don't know if this is true for most people, but I realize that the gods only speak to me in the quiet. They whisper. So if yes. I don't quiet my mind, I don't ever talk to anybody. So absolutely, right. and I'm one of those people that get monkey mind, and that's very hard. <laughs> so for me, I started out with guided meditation and things that helped me 
focus, mantras, affirmations. You know what I mean? I needed something mm-hmm. to focus that I don't do mindfulness meditation where I just, you know, they say you should be able to sit in a crowded subway and feel like you're on a mountain. That is really difficult for me. But there are other <laughs> types of meditation that I do, and, again, it has become a normal practice because that's where – and it's funny for me, and I don't know if I'm just odd. When I meditate, I typically won't have insight then, but I'll dream that night, and I'll wake up and I'll know the answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, no, because, I mean, that's actually really classic because when, what you're doing yeah. when you're meditating you're, is you're, you're giving your space, your brain space to begin to listen for the answer – or information, Uh or the conversation. And then, you know, but processing that, you know, doesn't Uh happen for you until you're dreaming, until you're really quiet. And your unconscious can kind of step forward and say, you know, hands on hips, look, do you not get it? Here. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) How many times do you you have to reincarnate for the same lesson is I'm sure what my God say to me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And and I think the meditation part is, in fact, the part of when, particularly in this modern age. I mean, it's it's so noisy in so many ways. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get away from you know these wonderful little devices we call phones and you know social media and and all these things. There's lots of distractions. All the more reason why we need to give our brains quiet time. I mean, it's like right. a child needing a nap. Just put right. them down for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And I have found that I um, am, uh, which is probably one of the reasons I was drawn to this path, I'm a very ritualistic creature. So for me, mm-hmm. I mean, again, if I have a quiet moment, like I'm traveling this week, I can do that. But what really works for me is to make it spiritual in nature quiet, darker room, candle, incense, maybe mm-hmm. soft music. It, it kind of tells my, my, um, my uh, consciousness we're getting ready to do something spiritual and important, mm-hmm. and it helps get me in the mood to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I call it um, getting in a ritual frame of mind. Absolutely. And it's Absolutely. all when we're – when we're going to do practice our magic, when we're going to talk to our deity, um, getting in a ritual frame of mind is is just you know sort of stepping just one to step to the side of consciousness and Absolutely. entering another reality, um, which I think is actually one of the more amazing things about being a witch is that we can do mm-hmm. that. That doesn't mean other people can't. You don't really find it in mainstream religions, um, so. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's part of why my, my framework is very, this is a powerful way of working through the world. This is, mm-hmm. you, you have control over far more than you feel like you do. This is, right. this is a way to actually be active in a world that wants you to be not reactive passive. and right. passive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you can sort of take control and such like that. Um, and then the, the other parts of the practice are actually creating your practice. I mean, do you want to talk mm-hmm. to deity? Do you, do you talk to deity? Is there a particular one finding a deity uh, if you're interested in that? It's another thing, actually, though, I love about witchcraft is you can actually do witchcraft. Uh, it, it all works and does not require deity. 
if, you know, if you're right. on, I have plenty of students over the years, my partner, in fact, uh, very on the fence as to whether deity even exists. Right. And, you know, it's like, yes, I guess it does for me. If it doesn't for you, let's talk in terms of energy. Right. You know, let's but let's I talk have in terms of what you're connecting to. Who have practiced for a while and and didn't really work with deity and used um, witchcraft as the, um, the uh, practice and did not get into the spiritual mm-hmm. aspect, and deity reached out to them. So yep. it's just kind of interesting that, and it, it wasn't quick. It was, you know, they've been doing this for a long time, very successful, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, dear, you know. So it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just interesting. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that it, it's, and again, I think it's being open to that. I have, I tell my students that all of this is like, um, you know, a muscle or, you know, riding the bike, you get rusty. If I haven't, if I haven't exercised for a long time, I mean, I know how to do it, but I'm not real good at it. And so when you do this <laughs> practice, it becomes smoother. And I think you get benefits that I think that those energetic roadmaps are set. And I think you get insight mm-hmm. and I think beauty mm-hmm. reaches out to you. And I just think that there's such a benefit of making this simply a part of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I absolutely agree. It's a, I am a proponent for witchcraft. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think your book, again, I think your book is um, uh, a, a really good way uh, for people, especially if they're new. But like I said, I've been doing this for a lot, and there are things that I, that I found interesting and that I didn't know, and it was a great refresher to think about. So I think that... Uh, I just think your book should be on everybody's bookshelf. So uh, um, I think <laughs> I, I agree. Think it was really good. <laughs> so, no, I think it's a really uh, a really good way to. But uh, again, I think um, um, something I and I will tell you, and I wanted to find out what made you do this because I found it so interesting. There's a lot of beginner witchcraft books, and they give you information, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of there. And, again, I also teach, and I have many students who have read every book there is on candle magic but haven't really ever touched a candle. So your Mm. book, uh, you give information, and then you give activities. Because sometimes I think people have that hard time going across that bridge from in their head Mm -hmm. to their hands. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people in our faith are all in their head. And so you (laughs) really give a lot of things to do um, to put that knowledge in action, which I found very useful. So tell me about how you came up with that. It's very clever. Well, I mean, you put it really well. It's everyone's, most of us spend a lot of time in our heads. And for me, witchcraft is a practice. It's it's an active way of participating. You you know, I, I have a hard time imagining an armchair witch. You know, mm-hmm. basically, and for my, I mean, you know, there are people who only read and only talk uh, about mm-hmm. magic and witchcraft, and you know, there's a place for that, sure. For me and for what I teach and how I see, you know, witches moving through the world. Oh no, no, no! It is taking ownership. It is taking personal responsibility, and then doing things because we're humans and we do things in the world. So. 
why not do the things with intention? Why not pay attention to what we're doing, which are slightly different things, and, you know, make what we do magical even when it feels very mundane? I mean, you know, the... It's fun. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's exactly. Fun. You know, it's working. It's it's fun. It makes your life feel enchanted. At least it does me. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't mean everyone has to be a kitchen witch. That I mean, that's that's you know, right. or, or whatever one of the labels that are out there. It just means, you know, okay. So if a core tenet of witchcraft, as I believe, is that we are trying to kind of get in tune with the natural energy and cycles, and but, but mostly the natural energy that is all around us, then mm-hmm. the act of writing a letter, the act of going shopping and selecting food, the, you know, all of the normal actions of life, taking the bus on your commute, okay, mm-hmm. um, all of these things can be sacred to a certain mm-hmm. degree, but at the least they can be done with intention. Mm-hmm. So that you're not just tuning out and and stepping to the side. So yes, my my way of being a witch isn't just, you know, I I look a certain way or I have certain kinds of jewelry or mm-hmm. there's a shelf in my room where I put stuff that makes me feel witchy. My, I, I mean, all those things are kind of beginner steps, you know, if that's what brings uh-huh. you into a place, then that's great. But the doing magic uh-huh. is where we become witches because it's a craft, uh-huh. it's a uh-huh. practice. So everything, so it's, yeah, exactly, as I'm going through, and this is how we teach our, our class as well, everything that you learn, you do. There's, there has mm-hmm. to be a practical component, you know, because otherwise it is all just in your head, um, you know, and, and and that works to some degree, but it's not what, what I do and how I see it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. With the recognition, by the way, that magic is work, you know, unlike right. Hollywood, we don't just snap our fingers and no. things happen. We have to put no. in resources. We have to make sacrifice. And we have to know what it is that we are trying to accomplish with our magic to, and living a life that has that supports that intention is also part of having, you know, a, a magical life, a sacred life. I mean, it's all very well, you know, to say that you are uh, going to give up chocolate, for example, mm-hmm. but if your house is filled with chocolate, you're, you're going to struggle. Right. <laughs> you're really going to struggle. And again, and I think that's I think that's more of a shift than in 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 decades past. But I know it was a shift for me because um, for a long time it was like magic was something that either I either, as you said, decided to create some space. I did, or I did with a coven, and then that was done. I put that up, and so the next time I wanted to do magic, and now it's just inner. We've interweaved within my life, and it's funny. I just taught a class, and I used the example, you know, you've done the mundane work, you did a resume, you've gotten that job interview, it went great. Now you have a second interview. What can you do magically for it? Mm. And people were like, I don't know. I'm like, yes, you do. What color could <laughs> you wear? What, 
this? <laughs> what stones do you put in your pocket? Do you know what I mean? So when you start mm-hmm. thinking and talking about it, then you realize it's really easy to incorporate it in your life if you just think about it. But I think a lot of us didn't kind of grow up in this path that way. Do you know what I mean? And so I think this is a right. real a shift. And so I think that's why books like yours really help. Oh, good. <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, really, for my, for me, I, I mean, I, I write because I figure there's at least one person out there who will read it and go, ah, that's it, thank you. That was the thing I needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and many people apparently have read the book and really, really like it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, any, if anyone's listening and you've read it, write a review on Amazon, please. Thank you. <laughs> There's yeah, my plug. Uh, <laughs> um, because it makes a difference uh, to how people see you. Um, but I feel like I've I've reached out to a number of people, and I hope that this sort of sense of, you know, yes, it's work, but you can do it. You can achieve it. I mean, there's always a, a unique way to, that we could figure out to make something work for somebody that otherwise isn't going to happen. And kind of going back That's to the cool. meditation. There's a ton of meditation styles. I know, mm-hmm. you know, my, my students do moving meditation. You know, mm-hmm. some like to sit and stare at a candle. Some have to, mm-hmm. you know, whirl around a room you know, listening to music. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever mm-hmm. gets you there. I I don't care. Absolutely. I have no I have no judgment about it. And that's the other thing is a lot of us have a lot of judgment about are we doing it mm-hmm. right? Right. And that's a, it's sort of my secret about. reason for this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I really wanted crafting your practice to come across as, you know, look, here's here is a time tested, well worn practice. And if you need to tweak it to make it work for you, go for it. You know, I, I have no judgment about whether you are doing it right or not. You can call yourself a witch mm-hmm. and never do magic. I have no judgment mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. You know, but here's here's what you can do to go further and do more Absolutely. than you think perhaps is possible. Absolutely. And you do a good job. Like I said, I also will have, <laughs> you know, I do the same thing. When I start classes um, with magical practice, I start with the basics, and you did a really good job. Energy work, meditation, grounding and centering, visualization. And people will say, oh, I don't don't want to do that basic stuff. I want to do magic. And I'm like, okay, if you can't do those things, magic won't come. You have to do those. And so I think you do a really good job of of doing that. Tell Something I found interesting, explain to our listeners what anchoring is. Ah, uh, yes. Anchoring is the process of actually connecting yourself. Um, oh, I mean, anchoring, it's its in the, the word itself. You are connecting right. yourself to something to keep you from astrally floating off into you mm-hmm. know, the other realms. And it's different from grounding, um, you know, which is, has its own process to it. It's different from centering. Right. They're all related, but anchoring is like, it's that little hook you kind of just put into the physical mm-hmm. so that no matter what's going on, you're still connected, mm-hmm. basically. So, yeah, and it's, yeah, that's, a, that's sort of a tricky one. And, and actually, in looking back, that's kind of almost an advanced thing. I should have just 
I should just stop oh, no, describing and really centering. Good, and I thought it was interesting, <laughs> and I may add that to to uh, that concept because no, I really really liked it. So uh, and like I yeah. said, it was really it was really good. And you even had, and this is something that I've only recently heard about. You also have some in your book, and um, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a group of people who physically cannot visualize in their mind. And you yes, give them um, ways to work with that. And I have just recently heard that, about that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that was an actual mm-hmm. thing, but apparently it is. Yeah, I've had some students over the years who have come to me and said, I, I'm so frustrated because you, you do these beautiful guided meditations when we do ritual, and, and they're just words to me. I don't, I don't go there, and, you know, and, they're, and they're really rightfully quite frustrated. They, just, they don't see right. it. Um, and, uh, and because of them, I actually went out and looked, and there is a psychological state that mm-hmm. uh, is called asphantasia, I think it is. I'm going to get that wrong. Um, That's fine. But yeah, yeah, it's but I just literally it's the, actually a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's actually a real thing. It's like they just don't see. So I have started to incorporate, you know, what does it feel like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? Because those things right. can guide you along. Really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah, that's... Which, yeah, I go back to, it may not be working for you. Find the thing that does work for you to get you to the same place. You know, the guided meditations still work, but, but mm-hmm. you know, what's going what's what you are going to be guided by can be different than words. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you'll have a different experience, but it's, you do a good job of saying, but it's still a valid experience. Yes. Yes. There are many, many paths to the top of the mountain that we call, you know, enlightenment or perfection or a better self. Um, In many, many paths, I am not about one true way. I, I just Mm -hmm. don't think there is one. You know. Yeah, I don't. Yes, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And I was going to give our. listeners an example of an activity that um, I have actually done and you did a really good job with it is that you say an activity when you talk about elements is to work with an one element for a week Um, and I did Mm. something similar many years ago and um, um, again you do just a really good job of talking about thinking about the colors of that element wearing clothes in that color Um, you know one of the things I did was you know, try to experience as many forms of it as you can. Does it feel different in ocean that it does in a lake? I mean, just, but, yeah, I thought that was something that, again, people will read books about elements, but they, to take that step and then to, again, you remind your readers to journal what your experiences are, mm-hmm. I think that really helps them understand what elemental energy is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. And, you know, if it helps, well, one of the models I've been working with uh, recently is just keep thinking of it as creating relationships. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can stand in circle with someone and you only see them once a month at a full moon. Mm-hmm. And it works. You do ritual. You know, that's fine. Or you can get to know them outside of ritual. Go have coffee, maybe go to a movie, mm-hmm. hear some music, and, like, talk to them. 
What's important to them? What do they want to know? What's important to you? What shared values do you have? Creating mm-hmm. relationships with, you know, the powers and beings that you are working with is just kind of a good idea. Right. You know, it's, it, only, it only does you both better. And sometimes right. those relationships, like any, are just kind of like, all right, I really only want to see you once a month. Right. <laughs> As it turns out, we don't have anything in common, but, you know, it's okay. And other times it's but like, now you know. oh, we're going to move in together, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. That's a really good way to, uh, a good way to put it. And again, I think magic is layers, and I think the benefit of what you put in is what you get out. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the more, you, the more you work with it, again, I think it creates an energy pathway, and it just becomes easier. So, uh, mm-hmm. Very much yeah. so. And that yeah, makes very much self-knowledge. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, mm-hmm. and you talk in your book about different ways to raise energy. Just, I have met, uh, in fact, my partner, when I first met him, said, um, you know, I don't think I feel energy. And that's because he was mm-hmm. expecting fireworks all the time. Yeah. And, and so we did the ball and we did these exercises and he goes, well, I feel that. I go, that's energy. He goes, really? I go, yeah. You're <laughs> expecting, you know, the heavens mm-hmm. open and fireworks every time and that's not necessarily what energy is. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, again, I think that's why, as we talked about, getting out of your head and doing things kind of mm-hmm. makes other things click. Do you know what I mean? Once you've had mm-hmm. one experience, then it kind of makes the rest of the book make sense. That's why I think the activity portion of your book is so valuable. Exactly. And that was the thing I struggled with because in our online class, for example, you know, students do, uh, you know, a full moon ritual with us within a month of starting right. the class. And, and we start in November, so then they'll also do Yule really, really mm-hmm. quickly. And, you know, so here they are, they're telling us what they think magic is, and we're talking about what that is. We're getting to know each other. They've sort of started to do some meditation and visualization, and boom, we just throw them right into ritual. And mm-hmm. the first ritual, we don't let them take any roles, but starting mm-hmm. with the second ritual and all through the year, we encourage them to take roles. It's like take a quarter mm-hmm. call, take, you know, right. speak these lines, you know, be, be a participant. And mm-hmm. so many times they're like, I don't know how to do that. We're like, it's okay. Right. Just, you know, just do it. Start doing right. it. And, you know, we'll talk and we'll see. And it's completely different because, you know, by the time they get halfway through the year, they're, they are participating. They're doing magic. They're mm-hmm. working energy. It wasn't just something that they read about. And it sets it, sets the tone mm-hmm. and sort of, gives them that core to go on with. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, actually, the first half of the year is sort of the big, exciting part, and then after that, it's more, all right, so let's talk about di- divination. Right, <laughs> it works. The yeah. other practices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, that is, that is funny. And people, um, it, it's funny, because I, again, we have uh, people participate, do quarter calls and do certain things, and and lots of times in class, I will have an after-the-ritual um, uh, talk, and I will talk about the things mm-hmm. that went great. And it's funny because I'll talk about the things that my partner and I, we messed up or didn't go as planned. And, and it's mm-hmm. funny because 
what I've learned is nobody knows. If you're comfortable <laughs> and you're doing and you're connecting, the, some of the rituals that I thought that was terrible, I've had people come up to me and say, that was the most meaningful thing in my life. And so you just never know oh, yeah. what you're going to do that's going to connect to somebody else because of what they need at that time in their life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that happens to me all the time. People will be will cry because of what happened with them in the right. guided meditation, and they'll be so emotional. And I, I'm right. like, okay, that wasn't there for me. But all right, I'm I'm glad I gave I'm glad I gave you that experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and again, I remember the first time I went to um, group ritual. I mean, I was so intimidating and had the imposter syndrome, like, oh, my gosh, these are real witches, and I'm not. So, yeah, I think that's just mm-hmm. uh, So I think that's great that you have them do it because the fear goes away really quickly. Once you've done your first quarter call, then you can do quarter calls. Now it's something else. So I think that's a really great mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. talk Absolutely. about that. You've mentioned it several times. Tell us about uh, Jagger Moon Coven. Uh, Jet Moon Coven is my coven. <laughs> uh, we've been around since the year 2000, so we uh, were sort of old at this point in terms of how long covens work. And, seasoned, um, not old, seasoned. <laughs> yeah, seasoned, exactly, exactly. And, you know, we're actually going through sort of an interesting shift right now. We have been for uh, several years now, and I think we're almost finished. Um you know, like many uh, covens, we started out as a hierarchy. I was the leader. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, people reporting to me, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, hierarchy structures are great for getting things done and getting things started. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, not – I'd always had this idea that if I ran a coven – I didn't want it to be a hierarchy. I wanted it to be a different model, but I didn't like the mm-hmm. model of the circle because mm-hmm. the circle was a little too fluid and a little too unstructured. And, um, and so I began to work with this idea of, of creating a wheel mm-hmm. where there'd be somebody in the center is the hub and then members of the covenant for us are the spokes. And then the class we teach is the rim. <laughs> Right. You know, good and tight. Uh, and we replace the rim every year. You know, we, uh, we actively have this sort of disruption that we go through every year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the people along the spokes take roles and do different things. And it's been an interesting process to shift, you know, to change the mindset and change the habits of the hierarchy and move into a different uh, scenario. But we're doing it because, um, you know, eventually I'm not going to be the leader of Jaguar Moon anymore. And mm-hmm. we have to go there. So it's been really creative this last couple of years. And I'm very excited about who I'm working with and where it's going to go. And I'm very excited to see what they do without me in charge, <laughs> which is so sort of the best is, part ever. <laughs> is it, um, like, is the coven located geographically where you live, or? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. No, we are an entirely cyber coven. Really? We have been okay. practicing online for our entire existence, so we are everywhere. That is very interesting. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It makes some things different um, from how traditional models. Many things are easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had no problem, for example, practicing and teaching and doing everything we normally do dur- all during the pandemic during. because right. we were already set up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, right now I live in Portugal, um, mm-hmm. and most of the members are in Canada and throughout the United States at this point. Mm-hmm. So we are truly international. That's really fun. So if folks mm-hmm. read your book and they're interested, do you take students or do you take students? How do you get students? We do take students, actually. Um, there's an application process throughout the month of September, and then mm-hmm. um, in early October we go through the applications and decide who's a good fit, and then the class actually mm-hmm. starts the first week of November and lasts for an entire year. So um, they, people are who they are interested only in, in your coven? Yep, sorry. Oh, are they only in your coven during classes, or do, are, do people stay in the coven, or is it just a teaching coven? No, we we are primarily a teaching coven, um, but okay. we get new coven members. You have to go through the class first because mm-hmm. it's what we teach, so you have to know what we teach. Absolutely. And and we have no expectation that every student is become, going to become a coven member. That would be ridiculous. Right. Um, but a number do every year, so we grow slowly but surely. And, you know, so we can take more, more students, the larger the mm-hmm. coven the more students we can take, and that's really right. our um, our ratio. We don't, none of our mentors has more than two students at any given mm-hmm. time. Period. Um, it's it's too. We like to have a personal focus, and right, you know that connection. You can always reach out to somebody. So it's very exciting. I love it. I love how we teach. We are we are we are not flashy. We are not expensive. We are not, you know, I don't know. 44 courses for $44. You know, there's all sorts of models for teaching Mm -hmm. out there. Um, It's like, you know, we have a process at the end of the year. Anybody who's gone through the year with us can confidently work with any other group because Mm -hmm. they've got all the basics down and, uh, and, or on their own, you know, and if they join another group, they know what to look for, and they can they know what toxic leadership looks like, and mm-hmm. uh, and they'll know what they want. I mean, that's really, I mean, that's exciting. I mean, that is that is nice. Well, let me ask you this because I found this interesting. I first of all, I think this, I think that's very interesting that you're so quiet. You've been doing this for twenty years, um, and <laughs> and and a lot of people don't know you're like a wonderful secret. Um, how has the internet changed witchcraft? Do you think? I mean, obviously, oh, for me, a big benefit yeah. is your group that people who live in rural areas or areas where they don't know other people can connect. What kind of changes have you seen? That, well, so I wrote a whole book. <laughs> it's called the well, Virtual Pagan Two Point Oh. <laughs> Um, and in, because it is a vast subject, and I think um, the sort of the, as we sort of run out of time here at the end of our of our mm-hmm. hour together, um, I think that we all saw during the pandemic that mm-hmm. although for years people had said you can't actually teach magic online, yes you can. Yeah. People had yeah. said you can't do ritual online, yes you can. You can't connect energetically online. 
Yes, you can. Yes, you can. It's different. It's it's right. very different in some cases. It's not easy in most cases. Uh, it's a different shift of reference, but that's magic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, going back to your partner, you know, if you get, you know, energetic bells and whistles from working in a physical group, you are very not likely to get that in an online group. The energy mm-hmm. is far more subtle and, and far mm-hmm. more uh Lower in ratio, shall we say? Right, uh, but it's, but it's there. I mean, I've, right. I've been doing magic for twenty years. I I I'm happy with. I mean, I would have given this up. I'm too practical if it didn't work. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think there's I think there's a vast realm for what people are doing online, and uh, I'm interested to see who's come up with some things that they're going to share after the pandemic. You know, right. So I'm not and, the only again, one saying, hey. <laughs> and I think that connections, because at least from my experience, um, paganism and witchcraft was very geographical based. Like I may mm-hmm. be um, Alexandrian or, or a Druid or Gardnerian based because that's what was in my local area. Do you know what I mean? And I think yep. the yep. Internet opened up paths and connections you know, I had a, you know, a great relationship with someone who lived in Australia. So, I mean, it's just, for me, I mm-hmm. think the connection is so such a benefit that, that I don't think the horses out of the barn that will ever go back. So. <laughs> I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. There are people I, I, literally everyone I know in the coven, I never would have met had we not connected online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and again, I've told you that I'm a big, I really enjoyed your book. What would you like for our listeners to take away um, from your book and, and why should they read it? <laughs> uh, I think they should read it because it's an excellent book for people who are just getting started in their crafting mm-hmm. of spiritual practice, quite literally. Mm-hmm. And while it's in a witchcraft framework, it works for anybody, and you don't even mm-hmm. have to believe in a deity to mm-hmm. get a lot out of it, which I think is important. Uh, and what I want all of us to know and to remember is that we are magnificent embodied beings who have the power by just being born into this world to make amazing positive changes for ourselves and the world around us. Well said. Well, I'm very (laughs) excited. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And I'm very excited about your next book. So you have to promise me, I hope you had a great time that you'll come back and tell us about. (laughs) Oh, I will. (laughs) Uh, I'm very, very excited. And, um, um, in, in best wishes for the future. And remember, everyone, if you would like to, to um, get a copy of Lisa's book, it is A Witch's Guide to Crafting Your Practice, Create a Magical Path That Works for You by Lisa McSherry. And you can obviously go to www.llewellyn.com, but also Amazon. And um, you also can go to her website, which is Sherry at lisasmcsherry.com and you can also get information about purchasing her book there so 
thank you so much. And good luck with your It's new been book. a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Besides Lisa, I want to thank Stephen, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. And I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast or CSNP. Join us on February 7th for another episode of Circle Talk. If you've attended PSC in the last five years, you may have taken a workshop presented by our guest next on February 7th. It's Phoenix Silverstar. We're going to be talking about her new book, Spells from Scratch, so please join us. I look forward to being with you all again, so please come back. Good night, everyone, and blessed be. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.